0: Ladies and gentlemen, glad to have you guys back listening to Unarmored Talk podcast on audio. Um, I am so uh, excited for our upcoming guest, another guest that was willing to remove their armor to help other people gain a better understanding of emotions and to to develop an accurate way of thinking. Truly appreciate our upcoming guest. And you, I appreciate you. We are in 509 cities and 28 countries as of March 18th. 2022 and thousands of views on a youtube channel so i truly appreciate you guys don't forget if you want to follow me on all of my social media platforms that's instagram facebook all of them one click look look in the uh, look on my banner on my youtube channel or the link um, in the description of this podcast one click at parade deck.com that's parade deck.com and you get everything Uh, so let's get right into the episode, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Unarmored Talk Podcast. We have another amazing guest who's willing to remove their armor to help others live a better life. But before I introduce our amazing guest today, don't forget there's going to be a little card that's going to pop up on the screen and and all my other videos. It is a 2022 charity golf tournament for Still Serving Incorporated. Make sure you click on that thing and find ways to support. Anytime you can, not and follow me on ParadeDeck.com. One click, get you all access to Mario P. Fields. Well, I'm done with all that stuff. Delith Matthews, are you ready?
1: Yeah, I'm higher.
0: <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Delith Matthews from Great Britain. Thank you. How are you?
1: I'm fine. Thank you so much for having
0: me. Shoot, my pleasure. I mean, what time is it there, midnight?
1: <laughs> <laughs> not quite. About
0: 7 p.m. You you know, it'd be, we'd have to do another episode if we talked about how you and I actually met and how this came about. It's, it is, uh, I can't put it into words. Yeah,
1: it was, it was random. It was fate.
0: (laughs) It it was. I I totally agree with you. Faith is very powerful. And and everyone knows I, I have Christian beliefs. So I believe that God connected us through faith and here we are so tell the listeners and viewers a little bit about yourself
1: so uh like you said i'm from great britain so you do have a proper global reach (laughs) uh i'm a pretty lucky person i think i'm a mom of five lovely kids they're all doing amazing the littlest is at school the eldest has just started to uh, learn to become a nurse so I'm really proud of them. We live in a small village, uh, sort of near Southampton in the south of England. Uh, it's, it's lovely here, lots of friends, part of the community. And over the last few years, I've been lucky enough to get a job that I not only love, but I do think is a bit of a privilege and that's working for the UK Fire Service. Um, my husband's a firefighter too, so it's a bit of a family thing. Um, I'm a watch manager or watch commander in fire control, which is like your dispatch. So we take all the emergency calls, we mobilize, we act as the initial commander, uh, making all the tactical decisions in the beginning stages. And we hear some pretty harrowing things. It can be a tough job. We work under a lot of pressure, but I'm lucky enough to have an amazing team. I'm proud to be able to call myself their leader. And it's it's just a job I love, and my team make it a pleasure going to work. So I'm I'm a lucky lady.
0: Wow. Well, what I'm going to do? Here, hold on for a second. See, if you're listening to this, you can't see it, so you got to go on my YouTube channel and check it out. But I have this microphone. It's a silver microphone. I'm gonna salute you with this microphone for you for you <laughs> just volunteering to do a tough job. Right. And so here, here's the deal. I raised this microphone in honor of Delith Matthews. Can I call you D?
1: You can call me D. I'm uh, my T. It's not just me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so here you you've earned the silver mic. <laughs>
1: Thank you.
0: So so you you know, you you, you gave us this wonderful introduction, five children, mm-hmm. happily married. You know, mm-hmm. living in Great Britain, doing amazing things. Meaningful work.
1: Yeah, very um, meaningful.
0: Very positive person, y- you know. I think. But, but this is unarmored talk. Yeah. Uh, from my, my basic limited understanding, Dee, uh, you are homeless at one point in your life.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I, like I said, I can see, I see myself as a lucky person, but, and and on the whole, I've got everything pretty good right now, but it didn't used to be like that. Um, And for a long time, a really long time, my past was a, a, I guarded it like a really close secret and hardly anyone knew about my past. Not even my husband, when we first met, I would not talk to him about my past.
0: So you were pretty armoured.
1: I I was like tank armored. You, there was no getting through my walls. <laughs> you know, I was like a tank.
0: do um, you a triple armor?
1: <laughs> a triple armor, like titanium. <laughs> um, and it, it's actually it's only a couple of years ago that I started to talk about it. And it's a it was a couple of things. So when I worked my way up through the fire service I was doing more leadership things and we were talking about imposter syndrome and things like that and changing the way you think but more than anything it was having teenagers Mm. of my own and I suddenly thought how can I tell them not to judge people and how to be kind to people and tell them that when the bad things happen that it's not gonna define their whole life when I'm living in the shadows of my past and like you said you you call this the unarmored podcast and I was armored right up to the hill if you you want to get over something you have to open up and get vulnerable and only then can you own your fears and move on and that's what made me start talking about it and the realization that that maybe if I can show that you can move on from a tough start, that maybe I could help someone.
0: Yeah, so, so let's talk about that tough period of your life. Hmm. You know, when we say homeless, I, I believe the listeners and viewers will have many different interpretations mm-hmm. of what, you know, what, what caused you to be homeless. But, but, yeah. but what age were you and how long did this period of turbulence last?
1: Um, so I started really from about 15, um, on and off, um, right through to finally getting a permanent address at about 24. So it was was over 10 years, but it was, it was on and off. And, you know, that is kind of life, isn't it? You take one step forward and two back sometimes and you, you get knocked down and you get up and you try again so it was over about 10 years
0: yeah and, and and you grew up now before before this occurred you actually lived in a wonderful neighborhood I, I want to say a beautiful family wonderful I, yeah, life
1: yeah yeah so uh, it's, everything's pretty good now and it started off pretty good as well um I grew up in uh, I had quite a privileged childhood uh, I grew up in a nice big house. We had big gardens that went down to, to a river at the, at the bottom of the garden. Uh, very nice, like fairy tale, you know, thatched cottages, uh, pretty little village um, right. near Salisbury. And um, I went to private school in the beginning. I had deportment lessons and elocution lessons. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was very privileged. Uh, my parents worked away a lot, so I was kind of farmed off to aunts or or my grandmother, and it wasn't a close family. It wasn't unhappy at all, um, but it wasn't a close family. Um, And I was pretty academic. I did well at school, so I got into a good school uh, where I studied languages, among other things.
0: Yeah, so here you are, a teenager, doing great. And then you take a trip to to another country, and, yeah. right and just so happened there's a there's a military coup going on and you um, get caught and you get caught right in the middle
1: yeah right in it uh so like i said while i was studying languages this opportunity came up for us to go to a, a it was an eastern Bloc country it was very unusual to be able to go there mm-hmm. there was lots of rules this is right at the end of the cold war so you know i'm not going to give away my age because a lady doesn't do that it, but we, it, was, a, it was a while ago we,
0: we'll give you we'll give you what 27 we'll give you 27. Oh,
1: thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so it was the end of, of the cold war it was uh it was a big thing and it seemed like a very glamorous thing you know no one no one i knew other than this group of girls, there was about 30 of us were having this opportunity and I thought it was going to be life-changing and it was just not in the way I was expecting. So none of us could have anticipated what it was going to be like. Um, Like I said, we, we had a really privileged, it's all about the same, we had a pretty privileged life. We lived in a very very continental British place. Um, and then all of a sudden we're, we're in this very foreign land. And right. it was very different, very different. And because of the type of trip it was, we were sent to stay with families. So we, we, we went there and then we flew on to another another city. Uh, which was fighting for independence. And we stayed with families there. So you were sent to your, your own family that you stayed with and you didn't see your friends hardly at all. Now at 15, being probably the first time I was ever out of the country, this is way before mobile phones, way before the internet, way before anything like that of keeping in touch. It was, the family I was staying with was kind and lovely but it was so isolating, it was so different. And the country had its troubles. They had a beautiful street of fountains that they wanted to run all day long, looking gorgeous. The offshoot was the residents only had running water for one hour a day because there wasn't enough water to go around. So at 6am, you had to get up and you had to turn all the taps on and fill the bathtub and fill the sinks and fill pots and pans, and that was your water for the day. There, there wasn't, there was cues for food. And they looked after me really, really well, that family, really well. But it was so different. It was right. so different from what I knew. We were away from my family for the first time, away from my friends. And you know, this country had been struggling for independence. They were in a long-standing war in you know when they took us on a day trip they said oh you might be able to hear the gunfire it it was frightening and then we went back to uh to the sort of capital city and that's where it got tougher that was when we and no one could have predicted that we would time it for getting there a group of 30 girls we had two teachers um and we managed to time it in time for a, a military coup and wow. I remember there was three of us in a hotel room watching through the windows the tanks came down the street the soldiers with guns and just that fear that intense fear and then it, it was difficult it was really it was really difficult we um like i said we had two teachers we we were girls that just had no real concept no street smarts nothing like that and uh, there was no rules at that time in that place we, the hotel we were in was not in a good part of town
0: so there was no protection
1: there was no protection. And At all, yeah. My, my friend had been flirting with these guys during the day. Yeah. Foolishly, she had given them our hotel room number. Oh, no. And they, they broke into our hotel room. And I think that's when you learn how brutal the world can be. Now, we, we got out of, of that country a few days later, but we may have looked fit and well, but I can tell you, not one, there were three girls in that hotel room and not one of us came out unscathed. But we'd, we'd made, not like a real pact, but shame is very silencing. We were ashamed of what happened. We felt we'd brought it on ourselves. Right. So we didn't speak about it. We held it all inside. And I can say now that I had PTSD. So when I came back home, the fallout was some real tough teenage years. I was suffering PTSD. I didn't know that at the time, flashbacks. And so real that you can smell the smells and and almost feel the touch. But when you're ashamed, and you, you cloak yourself in this armor because you think by not saying it is not real, it's, it's really difficult. And essentially my family couldn't understand because I couldn't tell them what had happened. Right. They didn't understand. They just saw a teenage girl going off the rails. And, and I did go off the rails. I, I started drinking. I started dating much older boys coming back at 3 a.m. and eventually my dad had had enough right and he told me to leave and they didn't ask where where to go or anything they just I had to leave
0: right And, 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 and you know the and all of that you know started from you know from Uh, bad I I won't say the word bad I would say experience that you weren't you weren't expecting and that caused uh, traumatic injury right traumatic uh, memories and and like you said you 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 became armored which which inspired more behaviors that uh, that that were not behaviors that you look back you go I I w- you know, I I wouldn't do that today as far as that. And, and, and so as you're, as, as now, you know, mom and dad, right. Dad is going, I had enough, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you, you're, you're, you're armored, you're watching, you know, you're doing things that are probably not productive. Yeah. Um, when dad, when dad said I had enough, where did you go?
1: So I went, to a friend of a friend, I would stay on people's sofas. Um, I, I spent most of my time. My friend's older sister had a little tiny bed set. It, it was it was squalid. It was not nice. Um, I lived on on dried food, packet food, and I still went to school. Like all through this, I would still go to school because I loved learning. I wanted a bit of normality, I wanted my friends, and I was ashamed to say what was happening, so I would put on this front, I would pretend that everything was okay. my friend's sister would let me stay in in and it was it was just a room essentially, you know it's not like she had m- much, it was just a room that she rented off someone, and she would let me sleep there. And it, but it was tough, you know, it was it was tough. Sometimes I remember one night getting caught out in the rain and I only had the clothes I was wearing. And I was so cold when I came back to the house, but I had nothing to change into. So I just stayed in those wet clothes and and I got chest infection after chest infection. And I've actually, I've got permanent lung damage now from, being ill so many times and the living conditions and and subsequent you know I've had subsequent illnesses since which kind of added to it but it all started from that kind of not looking after myself not knowing how to look after myself like I said I, I didn't have I grew up in, a, in this idyllic little thing I had no street smarts I didn't know how to look after myself I was just trying to survive
0: and, and, you know, it's interesting how you chose to go to continue your education. Mm. You, you, you know, you, you're you living with these these uh, challenges that, um, you know, are very difficult for you to, to you know, to live and, mm-hmm. and, and maneuver. But yet you still choose to go to school, which yeah. which isn't imp- just for me. I believe that's impressive because it's a choice.
1: Yeah, uh, it it is a choice, yeah. And I guess I didn't think about it at the time. I just wanted to be with my friends. I just <laughs> wanted that that like bit of normal life. Right. And so I didn't think about it at the time. But also, you know, education. If you can get education, that can be your ticket out of all sorts of things. Yeah. And and I I always would say that to anybody that if you could, and it can be really hard to get education like. You know, it's not easy for everybody, right? But if you can get an education, that can be your ticket out of a bad life.
0: Yeah, here you are. So here you are now. Dad's going. I had enough, baby girl. Right? I, I've had enough. You, you, yeah. you're, you're, you're bouncing around friends' homes. Uh, you're cold and wet. Mm-hmm. You're in the elements. And I think there's a there's a phone booth somehow. You end up in yeah. some type of phone booth. Talk to yeah, me about it, that.
1: So that, you know, later on, so I kind of, I, I would go back home for a bit. Then it would all start again. And when I was 18, I decided to, I'd met a guy. I was going to move in with him. It wasn't a particularly good life choice. I'm, I'm going to say right now. <laughs> it wasn't a particularly good life choice uh he was addicted to drugs mm. and as he was addicted to drugs i was addicted to him so i'd cleaned myself up a little bit i blamed uh, the drinking that i'd done for for my parents not wanting me but he was addicted to drugs and it made him a monster yeah he was he was a, a mean he became a mean guy. He didn't start off a mean guy, but he became one. And uh, I tried to speak to my parents and go back home, but they didn't feel they could help me at the time. And it got to the point where he was a very violent man. He was very violent. And I ended up having to just walk out. And again, I... I've been you know I had friends and I would sleep on their sofas when I could but it wouldn't always work out like that right and I still had this cloak of shame the silence of shame right so I wasn't asking for help I was ashamed to say I've got no when people said I'm afraid yeah sorry you can't stay here tonight I was ashamed to say I've got nowhere else and that was when I would sleep in phone boxes to get out the rain, and it doesn't do anything to get you out the cold. Believe me. But I would sleep in in the phone boxes. I would sleep in the bushes to get out the rain and get out the cold.
0: Well, and I like how you, yeah. And I'm gonna make sure. So in America, you would call them phone booths. Back, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say my age. I think I'm, I'm 32, but. Uh, I like that phone box. Bu- so phone, phone box. box. I like yeah, that.
1: phone, phone box. box. See yeah. what,
0: what they say? What, I'm exactly
1: gonna... how you would imagine one of the red British phone box, like on the postcards from London.
0: Yeah, it well, it'll be on a thumbnail too. So everyone everyone will be able to but see it. That's yeah. that is wow. So so ah, so now 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 you're in bushes. I mean,
1: yeah, sleeping in parks, at, in in phone boxes, and so this is like this is like where I am now,
0: right? But but the thing is, you don't, you didn't give up. Um, you still you you're still trying to figure things out, but you're not giving up. So, talk to us about what what was the moment when it occurred that now all of a sudden it seems like, and I use, I don't like to use a cliche, so I won't, you know, this is an armor mm-hmm. talk. Uh, when did things start to change for you?
1: It was, it was when I was sleeping like that. So I had, um, like I said, he, he was a violent guy. He had attacked me with a knife. I had a, a really bad cut on my arm and I was in this, I A bit of super glue and I was trying to glue my arm back together because I didn't want to go to the hospital. I was scared of being found out. I don't even know why. Like, you know, if I'd gone to hospital, they would have looked after me. But your mind is in a a crazy place. So I was trying to sleep with trying to super glue this this wound shut in this phone box. And I just thought, I'm going to die like this. This is me done. And I I just couldn't be done. Like, that that was it that realization that either I do something or I'm going to die. Like, maybe not right then, but. I was cold all the time I was ill all the time I was so thin so thin because I wasn't eating and I just couldn't see a way out so I had to do something and what I did was one step at a time so I I would go to the library and in, in I don't know how it is in America but in the UK the libraries would be open they're free to go in they were warm they were dry like I said I love learning reading I love reading and it was somewhere where I could go and be warm and dry and I went there and I would get the local paper the paper newspaper and I would started applying for jobs because I got education I had education
0: right
1: so I started applying for jobs and I would right I couldn't drive or anything I had to apply for where I could walk to and I kept doing it until one day I got a job offer well I got an interview I went to a charity shop in which like thrift store and spent what little money I had on a smart outfit. I got myself ready in, in a supermarket store, toilets. And I walked. It was about two and a half miles, three miles to the, to the interview. And I did an interview. And I didn't get the job. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get the job. But I didn't give up. Right. I did it again. I just kept trying because there was no choice the only other choice was accepting this was my life and i was not going to do that
0: right so you said you said i got a all right here's the deal you said i have i have two choices i'm going to think through this and continue to apply for jobs until i can get on my feet or the other one i'm just going to lay here and die and that ain't happening
1: that ain't happening. (laughs) that's not happening you know and and real life's not a fairy tale real life is not like making this sudden right that's it i'm going to change my life and everything falling into place that's not how it works you put yourself out there and then you got knocked back but you could get up again because you're not written off until you decide you're written off no one else gets to write you off right you just have to keep getting up all the time you can look up you can get up and that's what you have to do. And sometimes it's tough. And sometimes you just want to sit and cry and think this never going to happen. But what's the alternative?
0: Yeah, and 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 now and now look at today. Look now, look at yeah. today. Five wonderful kids, children, mm-hmm. a wonderful husband. I mean, and again, ladies and gentlemen, if you look at the thumbnail on this on the video, uh, beautiful family. But there's also yeah. there's also there's also two pictures, and there's there's going to be right there's there's one with this this kind of rusty, dirty looking phone box, and then there's this beautiful one with D, her husband and wonderful children. How, close us out or how do we give is is that the same phone box?
1: It's not exactly the same phone box, but it is from the area that I was sleeping around. So like I said, I kept going, I kept going. And then one day I got that job offer. And in fact, in the same week I got a job offer and I got an offer for a flat to rent and help from the council to rent. Because when you start opening up and asking for help, there's help there. So I'd gone, when I was applying to jobs, I'd gone to the council, I'd said, I'm homeless, I got put on the official homeless list, and I got put on the list for housing. And it all came in in one week. It was, you know, it was incredible. It was incredible. And I had nothing to start off with. I had my flat, it was completely empty, apart from my mattress on the floor. That was all I owned, a mattress on the floor. And that was like a kingdom to me. Right. And then I just kept growing. The job I got was in the fire service and it was as a admin girl, like just doing the admin. And I worked and I worked and I worked until I got my dream job, which was in the fire control.
0: Nice. And then,
1: you know, I've not looked back, but one one day a couple of years ago just weirdly and I know we talked about fate so just after I'd been on this course and I'd started talking about my past for the first time my husband didn't know that I used to sleep in phone boxes until a couple of years ago wow and it was after starting to open up they were selling off phone boxes from the area that I'd been sleeping rough and I said, I'm going to own my past. Like, literally, I'm going to own my ah. past. <laughs> <laughs> so I talked him into us spending a ridiculous amount of money on a rusted, broken old thing. And we, uh, I wanted it in, in our back garden. And we've got no real side access. We've got a little path that comes up the side. You can't get... You can't get like a truck up there or anything. Those phone boxes are made out of cast iron. So they weigh like 750 kilos, I think, something like that. But if I want something, I'll work until I get it. So all those time they're saying, you can't do that. You can't just have it in the front. Like, you know, just make it easy on yourself. Right. All they're doing, if someone tells you that you, you can't do something, they're just telling you what they can't do. Right. So I was determined. So the, the phone box 750 kilos. I weigh about 50 kilos. And I dragged that thing using block and tackle and engineering and again, uh, my husband to help me. But I dragged that thing into place where I wanted it. That is... And then I painted it up and turned it into a bar. So it was battered and broken, like I was battered and broken.
0: Wow! But that there's, is...
1: beauty, there's beauty in broken things. You just go look for it.
0: No, that that is inspirational, and I like how you um, said, you know, own your past. Look, look at what happened. You can't change it. Mm-hmm. Accept it own it yeah now but now what are you going to do next the future is bright and 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 that's what what i just heard from you is is you you had all of these unexpected life events once you became a Mm -hmm. teenager you got to a point where you look back and say you know what it happened yeah and i'm gonna own it i'm not gonna blame myself for it yeah, and now look at what you did. I bought my past.
1: <laughs> I bought my past. It's it's out there. <laughs> I bought my past. I scrubbed it up, and it, it's looking good
0: now. <laughs> he, he said, not only did I buy my past, I own it. I'm I'm not mm-hmm. proud of it, but it is. And I cleaned mm-hmm. it up, and now look. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: yeah Yeah, you're amazing that is amazing if you could leave the listeners and viewers any piece of advice as we get ready to wrap up yeah because i could talk to you all day (laughs) i mean i this could be an eight-hour episode but but
1: it could i could talk all day as well uh, you're lucky you're lucky this could
0: go on forever oh trust (laughs) me oh i can't this is good but but if if you could leave our listeners and viewers with anything what would you leave them with
1: like I said, you know, you see me now, and and I look like I have everything now. But when I was when I was a teenager, this would have been an impossible dream for me. So you can't control what life throws at you, what challenges you get. But you get to choose how you deal with them. You can control how you react to it. So don't forget. Like I said, you're not. You're not written off until you decide you're written off. You're not a victim. You're a warrior. Get up and fight. And the past, it shapes you, but it doesn't define you. And that that would be it, really. Your past doesn't have to define you. You get to choose who you are.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, you heard her from the Matthews. We call her D. Your past doesn't define you. It doesn't define you what you do from the past, right? How you move forward in life is what yeah. starts to define you. I truly appreciate you. Thank you so much from uh, all of us here. I, can, I can't speak on behalf of everyone. So from the Unarmored, Ta- Unarmored <laughs> Talk team to you overseas, thank you so much.
1: Thank you, for, thank you for giving me the chance to talk.
0: Absolutely. Well, ladies and gentlemen, till next time, God bless you all. We'll see you again. Ladies and gentlemen, you heard it from D, I mean, wrong place, wrong time, but right decision years later and the way she articulated the change in her life. Once she made uh, the decision, it was a choice uh, to not just die and not just continue to allow the past events, uh, uh you know, dictate her behavior and, 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 and control her life you saw what happened from a phone booth um, or as they say in great britain a phone box to now that phone box not the specific one but one similar that she was homeless in is in her backyard it looks beautiful look at the thumbnail and she has a wonderful wonderful family ladies and gentlemen make choices change your life develop a accurate way of thinking I'll see you guys later. God bless.